0: Welcome to the panel RNZ National, Simon Wilson and Janet Wilson with me today. Now let's take a look at the housing market first and the ASB Housing Confidence Survey gives a snapshot of what you're thinking. More New Zealanders think that we're nearing the bottom of the housing market, but the majority a net 66% still are not convinced the property market has found its floor. but a third are expecting house prices to fall further. The national average value on the latest QV house price index was down nearly 14% to nearly $889,000, but still 20% up on the pre-COVID level with us is ASB economist Nathaniel Keel. Kia ora, Nathaniel. Hi, Wallace. How are you? Very well. That's what everyone wants to know, right? Uh, are we nearing the bottom? Uh, what does this survey tell us?
1: Well, I think what it tells us is that in an outright sense, um, New Zealanders are still kind of pretty pessimistic about the housing market. Um, As you mentioned, there are still more people who think that prices are going to fall further from here, uh, and more people who think interest rates are going to go up as well. Um, But what we have seen is a kind of increase in the number of people who think that potentially we are at the bottom of the market Uh, the number of people who think that potentially mortgage rates are at their peak as well. So people are a little bit more split than they maybe were, you know, three, six, nine months ago.
0: And what region uh, is the most confident?
1: Uh, It's Aucklanders. Aucklanders are the most confident. Um, There's all kinds of reasons that that could be. Um, I think one of the big ones that sticks out to me is that Uh, the kind of house price easing cycle begun a little bit earlier in Auckland than elsewhere in the country. Um, Potentially people are a bit more used to it uh, and potentially thinking that maybe the turning point is a little bit closer than
0: elsewhere. Right. And uh, I'll get our panel to come in very, very soon then, Nathaniel, but um, there is um, an area, uh, a region, that is outperforming others. What's that?
1: Yeah, so house prices in Canterbury um, have been performing a lot better than they have been elsewhere. Um, I think in the latest statistics by the Real Estate Institute, prices are down about nine percent from their peak in Canterbury. Uh, at a national level, that's sort of closer to sixteen percent. And then when you're getting to Auckland and Wellington, it's north of twenty percent. So uh, it really prices have held up a lot better there than they oh. have done.
0: So what's in the what? Why is that? What's going on in Canterbury?
1: Well, I think it's not so much what's going on in Canterbury, but what's going on elsewhere. Um, In places like Auckland and Wellington, housing affordability was really, really stretched uh, before the downturn um, and before interest rates started to rise. So when people's mortgages went up, that had a big impact. Uh, In Canterbury, houses were still pretty unaffordable, as they were everywhere else in New Zealand. Um, But when those mortgage rates started to kind of bite, um, there was a little bit less of an
0: issue. Okay, yeah, Janet.
2: Um. Nathaniel, I'm really interested in the national average being down 14%, but still 20% up on the pre-COVID-19 level. Does that suggest, in fact, that we may, we're hopeful that we've reached the bottom, but doesn't that suggest that we may have some way to go still?
1: Well, it's a, really, um, it's a really tough question to answer because there are various kind of different um, data sets that you can kind of look at. Um, the one that we follow was put out by the Real Estate Institute, the one that we follow most closely because it's monthly, so really, really timely. Uh, and in the last uh, month when we seasonally adjusted data, prices were basically flat, you know, the first time that they hadn't fallen in sort of close to two years. So um, potentially that's a bit of a signal that maybe we are getting really close to that um,
0: that trough. While you're there, Janet, and while you've asked that, what, what are you seeing in, uh, a- a- anecdotally in your area? Because there's quite a bit of activity there, isn't there?
2: Um, flatness is what I'm seeing in oh, my okay. area. Right, I right. If you're talking to real estate agents around the Rohi, around this area... They will be saying to you that it's a pretty flat market. <clears throat> Some prices are buoyant, but um, they're not going down below a certain level, which is why um, you know people are talking about this this bottoming out effect, or hoping that it is a bo- bottoming out.
3: Yeah, Simon. Nathaniel, I just wanted to ask you about the language we use when we're talking about housing. You used the word pessimistic before. Uh, People are pessimistic expecting, many people are pessimistic expecting house prices to fall further. Um, I know a lot of people who would be quite optimistic, hoping that house prices will fall further, a better chance to buy a first time, take some pressure off rents and all of that. Um, Why is it that... Officially, professionally, when we talk about housing, the market and housing, that we don't use neutral language.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really, um, a really fair point. And and look, as someone in my twenties who um, who doesn't actually own a home of their own, I'm pretty kind of sympathetic to those um, affordability arguments. I think that what we do have to remember is that if we were to see um, you know a sharper downturn in prices, yes, that might improve affordability, but. Uh, potentially it would start to flow into the real economy. You know, obviously things like um, retail spending and the construction sector are really sensitive to house prices. And, you know, ultimately if a contraction happens, it's, it's people at the kind of um, more underprivileged end of the economy that, um, that get hurt the most. So it'd be really good to see housing affordability improve, um, but it would be good if we could do that through kind of higher wages rather than through a sharp downturn in the market.
3: You don't feel that's kind of magical thinking?
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's magical thinking or not. Um, I think, you know, we've been struggling with a really low kind of real wage growth in New Zealand for a long time, and it would be really good to um, to start to see a little bit more progress. I agree
0: that. with you there. Hey, now, Nathaniel, this survey doesn't capture the dramatic shift in migration figures and it has been dramatic a record influx of people we talked about this uh, actually last week on the panel um, that will again surely change things?
1: Yeah I think that's a very good point um, we have seen kind of migration figures be much much stronger um, than, uh, than you know, anybody had expected, which obviously kind of props up housing demand. Um, and then the other thing that the survey doesn't capture as well is the kind of last uh, Reserve Bank meeting where it kind of signalled that uh, potentially it wouldn't be hiking the OCR anymore. So it'll be really interesting to see what our next survey um Kind of phase, and whether we see a bit more of a movement in that direction following those things.
0: So, if the uh, if the market, because I can remember, gosh, the market uh, we bought a house in the red hot market, we sold a house. The prices were just absolutely eye watering, Nathaniel. You know, and that wasn't that long ago. If that was red hot, how would you describe today? Lukewarm.
1: Yeah, I think if we, um, if we want to go for kind of um, culinary metaphors of some kind, we're probably getting a little bit closer to, you know, a simmer lukewarm rather than kind of, you know,
0: sautéing or... Room temperature. Or like that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Room temperature uh, housing. Very good, Nathaniel. Thank you for your time. That's ASB Economist there, Nathaniel Keel. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so what are you What are you angling out there, Simon? Are you angling for uh, uh, m- even more of a drop so people can get on board? Oh,
3: I think that would be terrific to see. But I thought what Nathaniel just said in answer to my question
0: about the, the language
3: was really fascinating. Um, and I've heard others say this. Um, house prices... Directly relate to the strength and buoyancy of the economy. There is a perception that that is true, uh, and if you think about that, um, what that another way of saying that is that we need house prices to be rising sharply for the economy to be strong. And I don't find that acceptable. I think we we have to uncouple those two things. We have to find the ways to uncouple those things because we know that it is too hard to buy a house in this country. It's absurdly hard. You know, we know, But that it's also the, how
0: we make money. We know the economy a... is
3: distorted by people making money by putting it into housing instead of other pr- more productive parts of the economy. We do need to uncouple those things so we can grow our economy and as Nathaniel says, have a higher wage economy you know, but without it being dependent on house prices you,
2: continuing you, to rise sharply. can I 100% agree. I think the, commodifi- the commodification of, of the housing market, as a way of people making money, is has gone, and it's got to go if we are going to be able to house all of our all of our population. And if you talk to social housing providers, and they will talk about the home not being a commodity, but being something in which people live in and create memories and history for themselves. And that's how we should be viewing homes. Got to be a
0: balance. Got to be a balance to have that uh, the, the the aspiration, perhaps, for um, a family to buy a rental.
3: Don't we all? Those of us True. who have a family home, True. don't we all think of our family homes in that way? And therefore, shouldn't we allow that others have that same right? Should have that same right or the same opportunity?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, but if you look at the NIMBYs, though, Simon,
0: and <laughs> you're going to start me? Okay. The
2: are <laughs> Shall we have that conversation? And the NIMBYs are having a not allowing people to get on that first rung of the ladder.
0: All right.
2: That's it's, where the yeah. justice occurs. Isn't it? Uh,
0: 17 past for the panel. We have Simon Wilson, Janet Wilson with us uh, this afternoon. Uh, now, some parents are starting to get frustrated over teacher strikes. As it starts to disrupt their children's education, teachers rejected the latest pay offer and announced more strike action uh, as of Friday last week. So there'll be rolling strikes as negotiations resume. The latest pay offer to secondary teachers included a lump sum payment of four and a half thousand dollars for union members and three pay rises by December 2024, totaling between 11 and 15.5%. Now our next guest is a parent and is so frustrated that he has set up a petition on the issue. With us is Jono Skipworth. Jono, welcome. Hello. You must feel pretty strongly about this to have set up this petition. Explain, how have the strikes affected you?
4: Well, I guess uh, yeah, pretty frustrated, I guess, um, um, to get uh, another email from school uh, late last week on Friday to saying that there'll be, I think, four more strike days before the end of term. Uh, two next week, you know, two in one week, it's, that's, that sort of kicks you in the guts um, a bit. Uh, yeah, so, you know, just pretty frustrated that um, we as parents can't do anything about these strikes we're not the ones that are involved in the negotiation um, of their pay rises so why are we uh, parents and children why is our children's education being um being used as the the leverage you know the bargaining chip here when we've got actually absolutely nothing uh you know no stake in this no 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 say in what they actually get paid
0: panel family do you agree or disagree with the Jono. He set up a petition, 2101. I want to hear from you this afternoon. Uh, Jono, do you support teachers in their pay negotiations?
4: I do. I, I, like, I do think that they need to be paid more. No doubt, right? Um, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely think they should be paid more. But not but the ability to see, go yeah, and I strike. I don't, I don't see why, the, yeah, why there's... Why is it at the expense of our tr- children's education? Janice. Um, You know, they're supposed to be there for our children. Um, This doesn't really demonstrate that.
0: Here's one. Kim says, I was speaking to an 11-year-old student on Sunday. She wants a career in science. She is missing seven periods of science this week. She is desperately upset. She supports the teachers, but she feels they need to find another solution, uh, says Kim here. Janet Wilson.
2: Um, I'm really keen um, to explore with Jono what he thinks that other solution is, because of course one of the principal tenets of 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 labour is that you withhold your labour as a, in in a bargaining sense. So how do you think Jono they should be trying to solve this issue? If you agree well, that they deserve more money,
4: well, I guess that the thing is is that they withhold the labour from the people that it actually impacts, right? Um, I'm not their employer. My child is not their employer. Everybody, you know, um, yes. them them not. Um, providing can I just
2: say that. I agree. I I, I empathise <laughs> with you. I, I yeah. really do. I don't have a child of of high school age, but if I did, I would be. I feel for you. I know. I yeah. understand. But <clears throat> do you do? Do you get back around the bargaining table? I'm wondering. Yeah. Is the answer here rather than yeah. going on strike?
4: Yes, yes, completely right. Like the, the both sides um, need to need to get back and and talk to each other, um, yeah. you know, sort this out. But the, the is really the um, withholding, you know, um, teaching from our children. Is that really the only lever that you've got to pull?
0: Text here um, says I'm a PPTA member. We were not offered a four and a half thousand dollar lump sum payment. Um, stay there, Jono. Simon Wilson. I was just just wondering
3: um, how this went so wrong. Um, Teachers, Labour government, you you would think there was a relationship there that could have been exploited better than it has been. Um, You know, not so long ago, teachers got pretty substantial wage increases, but then that stopped because they're multi-year ones. The new offer again is a multi-year offer. It would be terrific to think that we could have evolved after many years of this now we could have evolved to a state where the government was not waiting for teachers to go on strike before they decided to get serious and where teachers on the other side were not feeling they had to go on strike before they got taken seriously Um, you kind of want actually I think it's the government you want the government to grow up about this nobody wants to be Jono but I'm like Janet my kids are older now but i absolutely feel for parents having to manage this it's, it's absurd and yet I also think we pay lip service to the uh, to the value of the teachers well service.
0: Jono on that there are those that might say and be listening you know you, you could say you have a teacher uh, in a profession and that teacher is happy and satisfied in their work and feels that they've been respected that surely flows on to your children Jono
4: exactly yep I, I, I agree um so yes i agree i i agree that how is it how has it gotten to this point that they've had to uh not only go on strike but had to have had these uh they had the strike action continue for so long um it is it is worrying and it you know it it just it negatively impacts our children you again. Can, kind um, of
3: want a prime minister who deeply understands the education sector don't you
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah i like, to me, the other political parties are being quite silent on this issue as well, and you know, you, it kind of makes you think that they probably wouldn't be doing anything too dissimilar. And, and I,
3: and I wonder, Jono, you might not want to comment on this, but my perception of that is that um, Labour knows that full well that a national and act government would be um, much less kind to teachers, or well, that's their view, so um, they feel that and, they can stand where they are.
4: That's a sad indictment
3: itself, isn't it? Judy in
0: Pōkekohe says teachers are not striking just because they want more money. They are desperate for better work conditions e.g. more time to deal with the huge amount of paperwork and admin work required. It's not just about the money. Um, Just finally, uh, Jono, what sort of response have you had on your petition? Uh,
4: It's it's getting there. It's pretty good today. Um, Like I only created it yesterday. Um, I think we're Nearly at 500, if not at 500 yet, Um, you know that's pretty good. I think it got a bit of a boost after a couple of media um, outlets like yourself picked picked up on the fact that there was a petition. It'd be great to have more. Uh, You know, I guess, I guess it comes to the point as to when does it actually, uh, when is it going to become effective as a as a tool? I guess that was the other reason for creating it was the. So we get, you know, we get advised of the strikes, of the of the roster days off, but there's there's no, we just get told about them. There's no way for us to then go and, you know, show our support for the teachers themselves, right? You know, like how would how would we support their strike action? Okay. Um, you know, so I guess in counter to that as well, if you can't offer me a way to support it, I'm gonna, you know. <laughs>
3: Jono, you, you need a couple of um, social media experts, if you know, and you can
4: help drive <laughs> yeah, traffic. Well, to your. Know, um, I'm I'm not an yeah, but, influencer. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just someone who's just got a bit frustrated. Got
3: any school-aged kids?
0: <laughs> Sorry? Got any school-aged kids? At yeah, home? Yeah, well, that, that, <laughs> they can teach, the yeah. teach you, Jono. Hey, Jono, yeah. we'll leave it there, but uh, all the best, uh, and thanks for being with us. That's no, jo- Thank you. Jono Skipworth there. He is fo- so frustrated. As a parent, that he set up a petition on the issue. Do you support him, or do you not? Text me two one zero one, or you can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. nz Twenty six past four. Simon Wilson with me. Janet Wilson with me. To this, New Zealand is a quote very negative, wet, whiny inward-looking country. We have lost the plot, and we have got to get our mojo back. This is what the national leader, Christopher Luxon, said yesterday. Well, he walked them those comments back today a little. He says, I think this is a country of endless potential. There is no reason why New Zealand can't do well in the next 50 years. Janet Wilson, are we just a bunch of constant moaners?
2: Um, probably would be my answer, but we're in... Um, a winter of our discontent, really, at the moment, aren't we? It's been three quite arduous years for various reasons, and I think we're we're crawling our way through yet another winter. Um, it was good to see Mr. Luxon finally land on some messaging. I have to say, as a former media trainer, <laughs> that was actually more more positive than what he was sort of. And this isn't the first time, of course, that this has happened. The the idea isn't a bad one. It was how he presented the idea. We need to be more operational. It's much better than we're a wet, wet, whiny, inward-looking
0: country. Are we? Are we, Janet?
2: Well, according to the stuff, the very unscientific stuff poll, 68% of people agreed with that about an hour or so ago, and 30-odd people Disagree. Now, with what that. do you think? So make, that a, make of that what you will.
0: Well, here's what Martin do I, bought. Do, yeah, keep going.
2: Do I think that? Quite possibly at the moment. I mean, I think there's lots of really, there's things we should be very worried about. Our education figures for a start are alarming, just coming off the back of the teachers' strike. I think it's things like that that are really concerning people.
0: Okay, Simon, can I just jump in? Because Martin Bosley uh, came on the program three, four weeks ago uh, on returning uh, from a six-day trip to Sydney. And he said, look, overall, he was overwhelmed on the difference. He said, overall, the opportunities that are there, the positive attitude of the place, it was all a bit overwhelming. And actually, I thought, oh, my gosh, I felt a bit lonely. He couldn't believe the positive vibe in Australia compared to here. I
3: think that's fascinating. I, I, I need to um, respond to this to be careful not to be whiny in the response I kind of feel. <laughs> Um, well, do you I, agree with but, yeah. Luxon? But, well, I no, I don't agree with Luxon. And I think also there's a difference between what Janet was talking about. There are things to be really concerned about in this country. Everybody can see. A whole lot of stuff's gone horribly wrong. Um, a, a, to be concerned about those things and to be of a whiny disposition, um, which implies that, oh, I don't think anything can be done and just everything's rubbish and I'm not to get out of bed, blah, blah, all of that, you know. Um, I thought it was... Ironic, I guess, is the word that um, Luxon made those remarks yesterday. uh, Presumably not realising it was being recorded, but he was chatting to a farming mate. Um, He was at a, a farming event, and there are so many good, so many farmers in this country who are actively engaged in how do we deal with rural carbon emissions and methane emissions and how do we make farming a more constructive uh, sector in our economy in this modern world facing the climate crisis. There's so much work that's going on. It's, it's outward looking, uh, it's progressive, uh, it's exciting. You know, but there is also groundswell. There are also a whole lot of whiny farmers who think that everything everybody hates them and they're fighting back because they think everybody hates them. Yeah, and he made Luxon made this statement yesterday at an announcement of a policy that essentially suggested national was going to line up with groundswell uh, and simply defer any kind of real action on emissions uh, for even longer than it has already been deferred in the rural sector and I, I,
0: okay I think that's ironic all right um in terms of the political optics of it Janet Wilson to have uh, a leader on home turf. <laughs> You know, saying they're quite strong words, aren't they? A very negative, wet, whiny, inward-looking country. Mm. Knowing that whatever you mm. say is going to be picked up. What of that for you?
2: Um, it started a conversation, but it hasn't started the conversation in the right way, as I as I pointed out earlier. I think Luxon has a terrible habit of opening his mouth before he starts thinking about what he's going to say, and this is another yet another example of that. Um, if he had done what he has done today and started a general conversation uh, about where are we headed as a country, that would have been a lot more positive and a lot and got probably a lot more buy-in. But what we have now is it's been reduced to the trivial that it is. When in fact, behind that idea lies some some quite important oh. ideas. Very good. So the presentation of it was wrong,
0: if you know. Okay, okay. So, wet, whiny country uh, probably says uh, Janet Wilson. No, says Simon Wilson. Here's, some for, here's a feedback for you. I am a secondary school teacher currently isolating at home with COVID. I have spent seven hours today writing reports, not yet finished, spent seven hours yesterday giving feedback to three classes on their internal assessments and all-day Sunday marking. That was after I had prepared a week's worth of relief for my classes. Teachers worked right through every lockdown and we work while we are sick. Name another industry that expects that of their workers you're on the panel it's 28 to 5 it is time for headlines